Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge. Fellas, welcome in. Podcast 99, one shy of 100. How y'all doing? Doing good. We survived our Foxwoods trip. A little more than survived. PFR convention, no no haymakers were thrown. Burge walked out of the casino, a rich man. Life is good. Burge, you survived sitting in traffic for forever. How how goes the battle, good sir? Dude, that that drive home from Connecticut, getting I was about 20 minutes from home, ran into road as they were setting up road work, and literally there were three state troopers stopped traffic on 495. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I've been driving for two hours. Probably, what, six hours of driving altogether for the weekend for me? I was like, get me home. Get but, yeah, <laughs> all, all, all in all, a very good weekend. Mr. J. Chima, it was finally nice to meet you in person. We had a, we had a very good weekend. The brass knuckles stayed in the bag. They didn't mm-hmm. come out. And, uh, no, I thought it was a very, very, very good weekend. Yeah, man, listen, you were surprisingly a good person because I thought going off of <laughs> – Going off your takes, you'd be just a horrible person, you know? <laughs> but this is one of those cases where I, I judge the book by its cover. You know, you're all right, Bird. You're okay. <laughs> I'm the man, and everyone knows it. Now you know it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, this motherfucker, give him an inch, it takes a fucking mile. <laughs> all right, listen. Uh, week 8 uh, preview is what the podcast is focused on. We're... Halfway there, man. The season kind of really starts now. We start to get a really good feel of uh, what teams are and who's going to be in playoff contention. But for this podcast, um, we're going to give you a quick little take on the Pats beatdown of the Jets, 54-13. We'll jump in and preview Green Bay versus Arizona, Tennessee versus Indianapolis, Buffalo versus Miami, uh, Tampa Bay versus New Orleans, and then Sunday Night Football for Dallas versus Minnesota. Obviously, we'll get you the best bets with the Puma, where he'll try to help you win some cold Hard cash, and the fantasy bullets with Burge makes a return by popular demand. So, fellas, with all being said, you guys ready to roll? Let's do it. Let's Baby. go. All right, uh, we were watching this game that really wasn't a game because the New York Jets decided not to get off the buses, but the Patriots demolished them 54 13. Um, the Patriots got their third win of the season. They are 3-4, and four, currently looking forward to going out to L.A. and taking on the Chargers. But Burge had a couple of takes he wanted to get out there on what he saw from his team on Sunday. Look, it was finally nice to see this team put a complete effort together, despite the opponent. They finally won a game at home. You know, it's been kind of a season of ups and downs, mostly downs for this Patriots team. Uh, very nice to see them put this effort out there. I think they might have finally found a combination on the offensive line. Granted, yes, the opponent on the other side of the ball was uh, inept, and that's putting it kindly. Um, but, you know, we've been ca- I've been calling for Ted Karras to play guard and Michael Wenyu to play right tackle. Since Trent Brown went down with an injury in week one, finally got to see it. Seemed, uh, seemed to go very well. Um, you know, he... You got to take the positives where you get them here, and you know laying a fifty burger on a uh, any team in the NFL is is an accomplishment. Yeah, you can make an argument that they ran up the score. Brian Hoyer throwing the ball deep late in the game, you know this and that. But uh, I I was very impressed with the effort. It was very nice to see, uh, given the last couple of weeks with the Patriots and how they've 
they've they've seemed to have been there with these these good teams and just not made enough plays to to, to close it out. So this one was uh, was a good one to see. Going into next week, uh, I, I what I'm looking for out of the Patriots build off it. I mean they're obviously facing a much better team uh, all around uh, in the LA Chargers coaching you know all the way down to the defense, offense, quarterback. Everything's better. Um, so looking for them to build on it. I think this game's going to be closer than than some people think. Uh, Patriots got to figure some stuff out on defense in their secondary, given the amount of injuries they've had. Um, the Patriots did make this Chargers team look inept last year. Obviously, this this Chargers team is far improved. Uh, you know, offensive line is much better. Every their offense is performing even better than they were last year. The receivers have woken up. Uh, but you know, if I'm picking this game as a betting man, the the spreads plus five and a half for New England. I like them to cover here. Uh, I flip a coin to pick who's going to win the game. It's going to be. I think they're going to play up to the competition like they've done against the Cowboys and the Bucks this year, the two best teams that they've played. Um, so I like it to be a decided by a field goal. Uh, you're going to put a gun to my head. I'm going to stick with my boys. I'm going to pick the Patriots to win. Uh, but I I think New England will cover. But coin flip on the result. And for the first Parker's pick of the night on Podcast 99, boy after my own heart, pick the Patriots. So, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, it was good uh, to see the Patriots get a win. Um, you know, all even though it's the New York Jets, and, and they're probably one of the worst teams I've ever seen in a long time, I was trying to make the mm-hmm. point to you guys that I haven't seen the Jets this bad ever. They, It was not like the, the Patriots beat their world down in the fourth quarter and they gave up. They gave up drive one. I've never mm-hmm. seen a team give up drive one. But listen, that's 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 part of the story. The real story here is the Patriots look good. Um, obviously, you know the offensive line came to play. They really moved people around. They they had massive gaping hole uh, gaping holes for for Damian Harris to run through. So mm-hmm. I was excited. Um, looks good. Uh, we gotta take the next step forward here. Beat the Chargers. There's gotta be a signature win, man. Like looking back over the past few years, last couple of years, you know you get the wins over the Jets. The wins over Texans, but like they gotta beat a good team, and the Chargers are a very good team. Um, where you can attack them and where they were the weakest is on their run defense. Um, they're by far the worst in the NFL. The Browns ran all over them, the Ravens ran all over them. So I expect a big game from Damian Harris and our run game to carry the offense for the day. On the other end, it's gonna come down to Joey Bosa and can he wreak havoc. If the offensive line keeps him in check, I do give the Patriots a good chance of winning this game. However, at the end of the day, until I see the Patriots win against good teams and not the Jets and the Texans, I have no faith in them to win those games. So at the moment, I got the Chargers winning, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if they do win uh, over the Chargers and they start stacking these good wins. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. If I'm with you, with you on that, Jay. <clears throat> I have the Chargers winning this game. Uh, you know, unless I, if they if they run the ball, like if Damian Harris runs wild, that that's the only way they're going to have a puncher's chance is if they just kind of mimic what the Browns did and what the Ravens did and just try to run the ball down their throat. And, uh, and that's really the, that's the only path to victory I see uh, just because the, the chargers as a whole short of the run defense is in my, in my opinion, a better team. The weapons are better. The quarterback play has been better. Um, I like, I like the the rookie head coach just putting his balls on the line every fourth down. Um, I I just I just like that team as a whole right now. So I got the Chargers winning if they can run the football, they have a puncher's chance. 
Yeah. Our last question before we move on, Burge, on this is, uh, you know, this has been some topic around New England the last couple of days, but why do you think the Belichick was so hell-bent on running the score up late in the fourth quarter? And obviously the easy answer is he hates the Jets and he wants to, do, wants to you know, destroy them on, on every, you know, level possible. But could it be as simple as providing some confidence to his team? Where do you, where do you lie in that, um, you know, running up the score in the fourth quarter angle? Personally, I think I think it's it, it's one of two things. First of all, this team needed this win. They needed mm-hmm. a win. Their season's over if they lose. Um, you know, the team needed to to come out of out of Foxborough, finally win a home game, put on a show for the fans, and you know, kind of start to try to build on something. And again, that goes into the second point: the confidence for this team. Uh, you know, I, I know they came out and said that they, you know, a lot of them came out and said, oh, we don't feel like a two and four team. You know, we have confidence, this and that. But let's be honest, this team needed a dominating victory uh, this season. Even their their two previous wins have not been anything to write home about. Uh, granted, they were against bad teams. The Jets game in week week two, I think we were all on the podcast thinking like thinking like, wow, we feel a little bit worse after this win than we did after the loss against Miami. Uh, and then, obviously, we know what happened in the Texans game with the defense. So they needed this kind of statement. And, again, I'm going to call it a statement win, but take that in context with the opponent. But from their standpoint, from their locker room point, this was, you know, you're dropping a 50-burger on a team here. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. I think the last time the Jets gave up 50 points in a game was to New England, like, 40 years ago or 50 uh, – yeah, 40 years ago. So – they came out. They did it, and I think just mentally, I think it's it's gonna it, it it's gonna be a boost for them. Let's just see if they can if they can execute and carry it over uh, next week. Okay, cool, cool. All right. With that being said, let's move on to uh, the game previews. Um, first game we're going to talk about on Thursday Night Football. We've got the six and one Green Bay Packers taking on the seven and zero Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Packers are coming off of a win against the Washington football team with the final score being 24-10. Uh, the Cardinals are coming off of a 31-5 thrashing of the Texans. And quick fact on that, that's the first time that score has been ever done in the NFL. So. Score got me. Exactly. <laughs> so with that being said, uh, let me start with you, Pumo. Who do you got winning this game on Thursday Night Football? I mean, you know, 72 hours ago, I would have said, oh, Green Bay getting three points mm-hmm. on the road. Oh, yeah, give me the Packers all day. But, you know, in that span, we found out that um, Devontae Adams has tested positive for COVID. He's going to miss this game. He has a – from my understanding, he's vaccinated. He has a very, very slim chance of making it back in time for this game. So let's just assume he's not going to make it. Alan Lazard, the presumptive number one wide receiver to fill that role – He's not vaccinated, was a close contact. He's out five days, so he's not making it. So you're potentially left with Randall Cobb as your number one wide receiver, um, uh, Robert Tunyon as your your tight end that's been a beast from time to time uh, over his career, and possibly Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. They might activate him off of IR. Um, this, is, this is a no-brainer for me. I, I like the Arizona Cardinals at home. Um, right now, just based on all the information that has come out about the Packers, they're just a, they're a better team. They're undefeated, and um, I, I really like what they've been go- doing so far in the desert. That Zach Ertz trade that they made last week paid off dividends. He found the end zone. They actually got him involved in the rushing game a little bit. Granted, he almost coughed up the he coughed up the football in the in the uh, red zone, but they were able to recover and put points on the board. But 
Um, I like the Arizona Cardinals in this spot. Uh, the, the game opened up as Cardinals as three-point favorites. With the Adams news, it got bumped up to six. And then with Alan Lazard, it got bumped up to six and a half. I'm not betting this game at all. Um, if you were to bet this, you had to have gotten Arizona when it was at minus three, minus three and a half. This is a stay away game for me, but long story short, I have Arizona winning this game and I think they probably end up covering this as well too, because Green Bay against probably the worst defense in the NFL looked, you know, baffled at times because the Washington football team defense finally started to show up. The Cardinals are are a better defense as a whole. So I think they're going to give them fits, especially with no weapons. Give me the Cardinals all day. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it brief too, Puma. I'm going to echo a lot of what you said there. Uh, losing Adams and Lazard on that offense is a huge, huge hit to you know what Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay Packers offense is going to try to do. Uh, I'm, I'm like, like I was last year at this time. I'm, 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 I'm buying into what the Cardinals are doing. Uh, they did make that trade for Zach Ertz, and like you said, he, he, uh, he paid dividends, uh, you know, right away in his first game. Uh, I really, I'm a huge fan of Kyler Murray. If, if not for Derrick Henry's performance. He's my number one choice for MVP right now. Um, I like Arizona to win here at home. Uh, I, I like them to cover it too. I think they'll win by a touchdown uh, and, and continue their, their undefeated season. And yeah, I, 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 I really like what Arizona's doing and I really want to see them not fall apart like they did last year. Yeah. Listen, guys, same thing here as well, so I'll keep it brief as well. I think Cards are going to win this easily. Like, not having Devontae Adams is massive for for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the guy's produced 744 yards and 53 receptions this year, so that's a big uh, production going away for, for the Packers. You know, couple that with the facts of Short Week and Green Bay's traveling to Arizona. I think potentially this could be a little bit of a blowout. I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at a 38-24 kind of win, um, but but we'll see how that pans out. Now I want to switch a quick, uh, you know, I want to have a quick uh, topic of discussion on the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they're 7-0 right now. When can we start talking the undefeated talk? Uh, should we already talk about that now or wait a couple more weeks? What do you guys think on the undefeated talk? When's a good rule of thumb? Because I know for me... Personally, like, you know, the Patriots went through it in 07. Those teams were with Aaron, you know, Peyton Manning. Around week 12 is when the the talk will really start heating up. I mean, I think at, at this point, we could really start. I think we could start talking about it now because, I mean, you look at the schedule here. They're going to be taking mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a lackluster Packers offense at this point on Thursday night. The 49ers are a very beatable team right now, in my opinion. Uh, not even just from player personnel, but just the coaching decisions as a whole. If you don't believe me, just go watch Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. The Panthers are a dumpster fire. Seahawks are a dumpster fire as well, too. <laughs> the Bears are the Bears. The Rams might give mm-hmm. them trouble. Lions have been playing hard. Colts have been playing hard. I mean, like, when you get to the back end, like, towards the, the last, like, four or five games, mm-hmm. it might get a little dicey, but I think... At this point, it's it's pretty safe. We I think we can start talking about the undefeated uh, season for this team. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of there with you on that, Puma. Like just looking at their schedule right now, I see their toughest tests remaining for the season uh, are Dallas and Los Angeles, and uh, the rest in the middle there. I think that they, barring injury and everything else like that, could easily walk through it. I mean, San Francisco may give them a little bit of trouble. We know they're 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 kind of a mess right now, but I think that they, you know, being a division opponent could give them trouble. Seattle's an absolute mess. We saw that. I mean, granted, the weather was bad last night, but I mean, having no Russell Wilson on that on that uh, on the field for them is just, you know, it's it's a killer for them. 
And you know, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think it's definitely fair to 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 start to talk at this point. And real quick, Jay, before you give your opinion, Parker's picks pick the Cardinals to uh, to cover and win this game. Yeah, man, listen, I don't know what it is for me. Maybe I just don't watch enough of Arizona Cardinals football, but I just got this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that, like, they're going to fall apart, right? I think because I saw last year and I saw how the injury to Kyle Murray's shoulder kind of really hampered them for the rest of the season. Um, at the moment right now, he seems to be doing fine. Um, but for some reason, I just can't get on board with this team being, like, a Super Bowl contender. Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, all right, in the playoffs, let's say they play – the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I'm taking Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray. Like, let's say Tom Brady against Kyler Murray. I'm taking Tom Brady. Uh, even in the pa- even in the playoffs when the Packers are healthier and it's more of a fair fight, I think I would still take Aaron Rodgers over Kyler Murray. So, I don't know if I'm being a little too um, negative on the Cardinals, but I, I just, for some reason, I feel like they're not legit. And obviously, as the wins kind of start totaling up, they're going to force me to say, and they kind of are already. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think... Uh, I think it's uh, it's something where I just I just haven't watched enough Cardinals football for me to kind of fall in love with this team. I think this is their first primetime game of the season too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even like even like the four twenty five games that like that's yeah it's an island game to a certain extent, but like in reality they're not in like the local market. So like mm-hmm. the only way you're going to see them is on red zone. So I mean yeah. if they. If they take care of business, they curb stop the Packers, and I get it, I get it. They have no Adams and no Lazard, but I mean, two weeks ago, they took care of business against the Cleveland Browns, and half their coaching staff had COVID. Like, any other team would have turtled up. We saw the Saints turtle up without that, too. Granted, they had the hurricane stuff going on, too. But, I mean, they showed a lot of perseverance through all that, and they've been dropping a ton of points on the board. So, yeah, um, yeah, let's – I think it's fair for the undefeated stuff. Playoffs are a different story, but right now I think we can talk about it. If you're talking playoffs, Jay, I I, I, I think that you're talking about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, the only one that I'd have real real hard time like picking against in the, out of those three is Brady, just be given his playoff you know pedigree. But the other two, the other two, I could see very much the Arizona Cardinals going and beating both of those guys. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's move on to the uh, five and two Tennessee Titans taking on the three and four Indianapolis Colts. The Titans are coming off of a beatdown, uh, 27-3 is the final score of the Kansas City Chiefs, which is probably the shock of the weekend to everybody. Um, and the Colts are coming off of a 30-18 beatdown of the Jimmy Garoppolo-led 49ers. So with that being said, fellas, you guys got winning this game. Burge, you go first. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. Watching, you know, we were at Foxwoods uh, on Sunday watching the Titans and the Chiefs game, and uh, I think we were all kind of floored with how much of a blowout that game was early in the game. I mean, I, I think we all expected a little bit of a closer battle between, you know, Tennessee, who's been, you know, a very consistent team, and, you know, the Chiefs, who have been almost a juggernaut of the AFC for the last three, four years. Um, I think the Titans proved a lot to me in this game. Uh, you know, with how they, they limited the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, from from really doing anything. Uh, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes got hurt in late in that game. Who knows what's going to happen with him going forward. Um, this, is a, this is a very intriguing matchup for the division because the Colts got to have it if they want to have a shot to win, to win this division here. Uh, I've seen enough out of the Titans through these first, uh, we'll see, I think it's seven weeks, uh, to think that, you know, give them a point. Uh, I think they're going to cover, and I think they're going to win. Derrick Henry, like I, I said last week on the pod, he is my absolute 
uh, MVP choice. He threw he threw a, he threw a touchdown pass in this game. He didn't have to run wild, but he still got paid for it because he threw a touchdown. I mean, the offense starts and ends with Derrick Henry, and you know as long as he's healthy and he keeps doing what he's doing, I'm not. I I, I have a hard time uh, you know writing off Tennessee. I think Tennessee is uh, you know in the top class of the AFC at this point. Uh, give me the Titans minus one, uh, you know, to win this game outright. Uh, Parker also agrees with me. Titans for the win. I'm going to go on the other side of the fence. I, I like Indianapolis oh. in the spot. They, Frank Reich been, lover. And not even that. I mean, listen, we we buried Carson Wentz when he was when he was really bad. You know, the last couple of years with the Eagles, and you know, I think we got to give him props for for what he's done. You know, with Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, his his the two sprained ankles. I don't know how you can you can do yeah, that. Two sprains. But like, but like. <laughs> He overcame that, and he's been—he's smart with the ball. He's been—he protected the ball a decent amount. Now, a debate could be had of whether or not that was a fumble on Sunday Night Football or an interception. Uh, the official scorekeeper ruled it as a fumble, but I mean, in in totality, like the—he's been moving around. He's moving the pocket. He's been moving the chains. I really haven't seen him run that much since 2017 when he was having an MVP-esque season until he uh, tore his uh, ACL against the Rams. But, you know, he's been throwing the ball a ton. He hasn't thrown a pick. This defense is starting to click. The secondary scares me just because of the lack of depth there. But, you know, on the Titans side of things, their offensive line is a bit banged up. I think, you know, potentially like three tackles may miss this game. Um, Darius Leonard is a, is a savage. Uh, he he reminded me uh, reminded me of Peanut Tillman when he punched out the football uh, against I believe it was Elijah Mitchell, the running back for the 49ers, to create a turnover at a crucial spot in the game because the weather was so bad in San Francisco on Sunday. Um, I, I like Indianapolis in the spot at home. They're clicking. They have to win this game to keep pace because they're two games behind Tennessee at this point. Uh, like you said, Burge, uh, it's a one-point spread. They're a home dog. The over/under, I think, is actually at 50 at this point. Uh, I'm not going to bet the over. I, I did have as part of my bets. I'll get into it later. Uh, the Colts uh, getting the point at home, and I think they went out right. Yeah, yeah. Melissa, I'm taking the Titans to win this game, and you know, I said it earlier. It was an absolute shock to all of us watching that Titans Kansas City game. Um, you know, sure, the Titans have you know some. Some deficiencies, especially in the secondary, but what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs is just is just startling to me. Like what they did to them was kind of what the Patriots did to the Jets, but it, it's just much more magnified because of who the Kansas City Chiefs are. Mm-hmm. Now we might come down to the fact and realize that the Chiefs aren't that good, but at the moment, I still believe they could be a playoff team. So I've got I've got the Titans winning that. Now on the other end, the Colts, I think if they have any like real playoff aspiration. This is a must-win game for them because, you know, they've still got big games against the Bills coming up in a couple weeks and the Buccaneers and, you know, further on down the line, they've got some big games as well against the Cardinals, uh, the Raiders. So they've got to figure out how to win this game and stay uh, stay in the race because, like you said, Puma, he's they're two games behind the first place. So I think it's 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 a little bit of a must-win for the Colts, but for the Titans, I think they're just too much. They're going to overpower them, and I think the Titans are probably, you know, one of the better teams in, in the AFC, if not the best at the moment. Um, do you guys have any other comments on there, or should we move on? No, I'll I'm just good. Say, I'll just say this real quick: is I think the Colts really have found something uh, that's starting to click with Carson Wentz at quarterback. There, granted, as long as he can stay healthy, I think that uh, the trade for for in terms of you know for Wentz's career to reunite him with Puma's uh, man lover Frank Reich. <laughs> um, did I you think just want to get that one more dig in? 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't get enough in this weekend, so I got to get him in now. But all seriousness, I think that Carson Wentz being reunited with Frank Reich is going to do wonders for his uh, his career. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Let's... Got nothing, Puma? <laughs> Laugh all you want. Laugh all Puma you want. Puma not taking the bait I, tonight. I, I called that trade eons ago, halfway through the season last year, and yeah, man, it was, we it was all give rough, you your props. It was it was a rough start to this year, you know, with the with the injuries in training camp and then like the COVID nonsense and whatnot. But I mean, this team's been clicking. Um, I, I really love the, the Frank Reich is. Let's call it for what it is. Frank Reich has resurrected through seven weeks. I get it. It's a snapshot in the totality of things, but considering where Carson Wentz was last year in Philadelphia. Yeah, he basically threw Carson Wentz in the Lazarus pit, and he came back up almost looking like the 2017 ones. All right. Okay. All right, let's move on to the 1-6 uh, and six Miami Dolphins taking on the 4-2 and uh. two Buffalo Bills. Um, this is uh, known as Puma Bowl number 2. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills are coming off of a bye, uh, but on the other end, the uh, Dolphins are coming off of a pretty brutal loss. 30 to 28 final score, um, where Tua might have sealed his fate as it pertains to being the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins going forward. Now, hovering all of this over the game is the Deshaun Watson rumors. Um, and per John McClain, the Dolphins and Texans have agreed on compensation. Um, and Stephen Ross has signed off on the deal, but on the condition that Watson settles his legal issue stemming from 22 accusations of sexual misconduct. Uh, and that he has to some, get some sort of indication from Goodell as to whether or not how many games Watson will be suspended. So, with all that being said, Puma, I think it's a foregone conclusion. We all believe the Bills are going to win this game. But let's talk about that Deshaun Watson angle real quick on, you know, what's happening there, why it hasn't gone through. Do you think it will go through, the trade will go through before the trade deadline next week, um, especially with the stipulations of clearing up the 22 accusations of sexual misconduct? Yeah, I think the trade's going to go through. I think this is just, you know, a bargaining move to try to either get, you know, enhanced protections for draft picks, like if he's suspended, for, you know, for for the off-the-field issues. Are they going to get, are they being the Dolphins going to get any compensation back because they can't use Watson? I, I really think that's all it is. I mean, at this point, with all these reports going out and like the, you know, let's be honest, like the pussyfooting around of, oh, well, two is our guy, but we talked about the rumors and I'm not going to address these rumors and I'm keeping our conversations private. But like everyone's running to their favorite reporter at the Houston Chronicle or Pro Football Network, which, by the way, that's not a shot at PFN. Those guys have been doing great, great work over there. But it's just they're planting the ground the fan base wants something different at this point i want something different i was never a fan of two i've said it every time we've this has come up on the podcast <laughs> i mean it's it's gotta it's gotta stop like the he can't stay healthy every time he runs with the football he'll go down in a heap i mean he looked he looked okay against the falcons uh but then they get a crucial turnover they have a, a spot to win the game and he throws a back-breaking interception in the end zone like you you, you can't you can't do that. Like your defense has bailed you out so many times this year. I think Stephen Ross just needs to, you know, shit or get off the pot at this point. He's not doing his embattled head coach any favors. He's not doing this locker room any favors. Um, you know, it's unless Deshaun Watson is just going to outright settle a la Antonio Brown, uh, you know, last season with, with his off the field issues. Um, this isn't going to be cleared up. And especially with the criminal aspect of the Houston Police Department's investigation going on, that's not going to get cleared up anytime soon. 
Um, and Roger Goodell, I'm just going to read a quick tweet here uh, from Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet. Uh, this is paraphrasing, but this is a quote from Goodell. We don't have all the access to that information and pride ourselves on not interfering with it. That process is ongoing. Important, we don't, uh, we don't feel we have that necessary info to place him on the exempt list. And again, this all gets back to the new CBA. They've tried, they've handcuffed his powers on the commission exempt list. Uh, to a certain extent. So they're going to need a lot more info to come out from either their independent investigations or the Houston Police Department, who really doesn't have an incentive to give them anything, them being the NFL, because the NFL doesn't have any subpoena power. So at this point, Stephen Ross just needs to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, I I still think that this is this is a... This, this report from John McClain, yeah, they've agreed to a trade, but the whole stipulation that these cases have to be settled... And all this and that, I, I I don't put it as a as a bargaining uh you know piece like 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 you Puma. I I think that Stephen Ross really wants wants this thing settled out before he commits such a massive investment in in Deshaun Watson. And you know, based on what Roger Goodell said today, I mean, he also said today that Dan Snyder was held accountable. So I I, I hold like what 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 Goodell's saying with a grain of salt. I I I don't really you know, put merit in what he's saying because I think he's just saying what needs to be said. Um, you know, if I'm the Dolphins here, you're taking on a massive risk to make this trade. And, you know, Jay, you and I were talking about this offline. You made some good points about them, uh, uh, you know, having this trade in place and, you know, not caring whether or not he gets suspended for, you know, eight games or whatever it is because you're going to have him for the next 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Great points, but, like, you're tying you're tying your franchise, you're tying your brand to this guy, and if something goes wrong, it's a massive risk for the team. I still don't think that he's going to get traded just because of that of that report that came out that he you need this to to settle out all these these allegations. And I don't rule out the fact that if he does settle, that the NFL is not going to step in after that and, and do something, whether it's a you know a, a less less extreme suspension. Or exemplus, whatever. But I, I don't rule out that that extra action on that. Yeah, and Puma, I got a, I got a question for you as the resident Dolphins fan. Like, and I was having this conversation with Bruce before he jumped on. You know, what is the worst case scenario for Deshaun Watson after he gets traded to the Miami Dolphins that would not make it worthwhile? Because you know, short of him going to jail and not being able to perform on the field, you know. What else would it be that would be the worst case scenario for you where would it be worth it? Because the point I'm trying to make is you got this kid for the next 10, 12, 15 years or however long that is, right? Let's say at the worst, it's a one-year suspension that Roger Goodell you know, throws out there and the league decides to sit him down. Even then, you've still got him for like years on end after that. So the right. question I have for you is what is the worst case scenario for you? Like not to sound like that guy. And I'm listen, I'm not dismissing the off-the-field issues. They're a real thing. And at some point, that's going to get adjudicated. But from the X's and O's standpoint, like looking at where this fan base is and this franchise has been, there really can't be a worst case scenario. Like there really, like there <laughs> really point. can't. We haven't had yeah, a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino retired. Uh, Chad Pennington was like, I guess, the closest thing for a cup mm-hmm. of coffee. Two is not the guy. Jay Fielder wasn't the guy. And and that's saying something because he survived Dave Weinstadt as a head coach down there. And Cam Cameron, A.J. Feely, the list goes on. Everybody wants to talk about the Cleveland Browns and the one guy with the jersey <laughs> with like 19,000 different names on the back. This franchise is 
it has faded from you know at one point being a, a true titan in the NFL to you know like a couple of notches uh, above the Cleveland Browns when when they were in their worst of of, of woes prior to the last couple of seasons like. At, at this point, it, it really can't get any worse. And we're talking about a franchise here that had that whole bullying issue with Richie Incognito and the the player that ended up, you know, wasn't really the same after that. The victim of that, you know, he got he got popped for off the field issues with like gun charges and stuff like that. So, you know, it, th- this whole thing at this point, if he ends up on the exempt list next season, because clearly the the NFL has kind of said you know, vaguely, but basically put it out there that they don't have enough to put him on the exempt list. So if they don't have enough to put him on the exempt list, they clearly don't have enough to suspend him for like three games in the first place. And Adam Beasley, the former beat reporter for the Miami Herald, just tweeted out a great point. If he, if him being, you know, Stephen Ross didn't want to make this trade at all, he could have pulled aside any reporter like Woody Johnson did today when he backed uh, Robert Sala and, and uh, the general manager, Joe Douglas. And all Stephen Ross could have said was, we're not trading for Deshaun Watson until his legal issues are cleared up. Pl- point blank, black and white to the point. He could have said that this whole thing would have stopped. He clearly wants to make this trade happen. I think this is just, you know, gamesmanship of trying to figure out what compensation would be in place. So so let me ask you this, Puba. Who do you think is going to bite on Tua at this point because from what I've heard the, the the Texans don't want him so if he's not part of this trade what what happens with Tua you keep you you have him as an insurance policy for this year and you still have him on the rookie contract so they don't have to move Tua if they get a sense of hey you know the Deshaun Watts is going to be suspended all next season he's going to be suspended you know if more information comes out this year he'll be suspended the remainder of this season and into next year you still have two that could fill the void until he comes back from that suspension. Yeah. Now, and please, Puma, correct me if I have this incorrect, but wasn't there a story a couple of weeks ago that said that Deshaun Watson's camp and, you know, the uh, the 22 ladies that alleged the sexual assaults camp had some preliminary discussions about a settlement, but Deshaun walked away because they wanted to take some sort of fault along the lines. Was that something I read or no? That I I can't speak to. Okay. I, I honestly didn't see that one, so yeah. you would know but, more than me. But, you know, I, I like to always close this debate out by asking the question over and over again. Will this Deshaun Watson trait actually happen? Because, you know... I, I'm still, after reading that article from John McClain about how, you know, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen, I feel like it's not going to happen. Like, how are you going to clear up 22 sexual assault cases in, what, a week from now? Like, I, I don't know if that's just something he threw out there, um, just to throw out there and have it out there in the ether that the Dolphins aren't going to, you know, essentially um, bid against themselves. But I just don't see this clearing up in a week and everything being kumbaya. I'll I'm say the trade happens. One, I'll, I'll, real quick, I'll say the trade happens, and, and, you know, again, this is from the criminal investigation aspect of things, and, you know, to quote the great Ben Albright uh, at Albright NFL, uh, he has a great quote of, I'm not a lawyer, but it's a hobby, uh, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with this, of if he settles all 22 of those civil cases, and the, the alleged victims go to the Houston Police Department, and decide to call, you know, say, hey, if you proceed with this, we're not just we're not going to press charges. So don't even bother wasting your time. 
Uh, and then they have non-disclosure agreements, which is probably the hurdle that you're referencing, Jay, from that from that other article. Yeah, uh, that could really be cleared up. Like they could put, he could put money in a fund. Uh, Larry Busby could distribute that as he sees fit. They all signed non-disclosure agreements, a la what Antonio Brown did last year. And everything's hunky-dory. And Deshaun Watson goes on a new team. Those issues are adjudicated. Ipso facto, it's done. But if the player, if, if, if Watson doesn't, let's just say he doesn't want to do that, what incentive does he have to do it now that he's going to get traded to be able to play? He's getting paid his contract right now to sit on the sidelines and not play for Houston. So if he's, if he's doing that and he doesn't want to, to pay money to these people, what incentive? Does this incentive incentivize him any more to, 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 to you know, pay them off to get traded to start playing again, or does 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 he have a more of a personal benefit to sit on it right now if he really doesn't want to, uh, you know, admit anything, you know, going forward? I mean, if he, it, it would behoove him to to pay it because then he doesn't have to hear at every press conference what's the. What's the legal status? What's the legal status of this? What's the legal status of that? And, you know, not to sound cold-hearted, but, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had, had a track record like this. Granted, it wasn't with 22 people, but nobody gives a shit. And nobody's really going to talk about it when he ends up in the Hall of Fame uh, somewhere down the line. Like, nobody really cares about Antonio Brown anymore. Nobody cared that, um, that Ray Lewis was an accomplice to murder and dropped a dime on his friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. as, as, as cold-hearted as it sounds... This society loves comeback stories. They love front runners. Look at uh, Mike Tyson in his heyday. Nobody get, gives a shit anymore that he went inside for for raping uh, for raping somebody back in the like. And again, not trying to sound cold hearted, but it's just the cold hard facts of, of society today. Everybody loves a comeback story. Look at John Jones in the UFC. Like nobody gives a shit anymore. That's just that's just a cold hard fact. So it, it I mean it would behoove him to get it all out of the way, uh, settle whatever non disclosure agreements. But if this drags out until something more punitive comes up in any investigation, and again the NFL doesn't have any subpoena power, so they they don't they're not able to have the Houston Police Department turn over records. He can play this out as long as he wants because the NFL doesn't have anything to put him on the exempt list. Mm-hmm. Not not to go there real quick. But why didn't why didn't anybody love the Ray Rice comeback story when that was when that was a thing? I think, think the graphic the, video. That, that I think that it really well, was the video. If there's no the video, video, then there's big, no right? issue. We don't see Deshaun Watson, you know, sexually. Because I'll piggyback off of that. Women. Right, and I'll piggyback off that. When that report came out, it was really just a quick blurb. When the video came mm-hmm. out, that was the whole ball game. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but you know, you had his, you know, you had his fiance there come out and, you know, talk about it and all this and that, and he started doing the right things, but he never got another chance. So, I'm, I'm not justifying, I'm not trying to justify anything that these guys are doing, but like, I, I see, I see a little bit of uh, disparity in terms of, you know, comeback stories and all this and that. I mean, you're talking about sexual assault here, with with these people, and just because he pays them off doesn't mean it goes away. You know, you know what I mean. I get yeah. that, but look at Antonio Brown in, in Tampa right now. I mean, it's the, I mean, I guess it's the same thing, but like... Or Big Ben. And he had multiple issues. Like, he got slapped on the hand. I mean, even Ezekiel Elliott, too. I mean, he got a fucking contract extension from Dallas. And Dallas paid the wrong guy in the first place. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm just looking at it from a moral well, standpoint more so. Well, but. I think the other part of that Ray Rice thing is... 
Ray Rice was at the end of his shelf life in the NFL as a running back. He he came to the league in 2008. This happened in, what, 2013? So he was six years into the league where essentially his shelf life was towards the end. Deshaun Watson's 26 years old. He's played three years, four years in the league. He has still 10 years left. And I think that's one of the other things here is that it seems that Deshaun Watson still has talent and still can help your team win where Ray Rice was towards the end of his career. That could be a factor on itself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whether I agree with it or not, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely a factor. Yeah. Um, and then final question, Puma. Let's say this trade deadline goes through. Uh, this trade actually goes through on the deadline. You know, obviously, will do you think he'll be ready for that November 7th matchup against the Texans? And if not, when's the first time you think you'll see him on the field? Because after I, that, they got, the, uh, they got the Ravens on Thursday Night Football, and then they got the right. Jets after that. I mean, if he's not traded by, you know, the end of this week, he doesn't really stand a shot to go up again, go out there against Houston. Like, that would almost be negligence at that point. He's not going to know the playbook. He's not going to know the, the air quote protection calls for his turnstile of an offensive line. But you would like him to be able to call out the protections to, you know, help himself out for two seconds. But if he's not traded this week... Uh, and he's traded right before the deadline. He's not playing against Houston. He probably stands an outside chance of going against Baltimore the following week. But um, it's if they want him back for Houston for that narrative, they got to pull the trigger on it this week. Yeah. And a follow-up question on that is, you know, let's say they're one and six now. They'll probably be one and seven against the uh, the Buffalo Bills this weekend. It probably seems like it's gonna happen. They're gonna get yeah. fucking buried against the Buffalo. <laughs> it seems like they're out of it right now, and there's really nothing else they can do to rectify this uh, this season, would it behoove the Dolphins to not throw him out there and suffer some sort of injury or have some sort of like hamstring or soft tissue injury? Because let's say, let's be real, you probably need two, three weeks of like real life-like action and practices and games to work yourself back into shape. Would right. the Dolphins be smarter to sit him down and wait and play for next year instead of throwing him out there, let's say November 11th against the Ravens? Um, I think so, but it's also the Dolphins that we're talking about. So <laughs> let's let's be real here. And I think and I think at this point too, like you know the 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 Will Fuller connection is real. Like Will Fuller and, and Watson are tight. They go you know they go back all the way from their rookie years essentially. And I think they would want to give this fan base something to look forward to next year. If hey, like Will Fuller is out here, Grant, I think he's on IR with a broken hand. I don't know if he's going to come mm-hmm. back, but let's say it's short term. He comes back, and then you have Deshaun Watson spinning the football to his buddy, and then Mike Gesicki actually might elevate himself outside of like you know maybe like the the the, the top tier tight end group going into next season. So there's a lot that could be potentially built on you know like the old saying, winning the hearts and minds that might be like the long game if they put him out at all this season. Okay. All right, let's move on to the 6-1 uh, and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the 4-2 and two New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Bucs are coming off of a 31 to, 38-3 to three win against the Chicago Bears, and the Saints are coming off of a 13-10 win on Monday Night Football in one of the most brutal games I've seen. That thing was that thing was hard to watch, and, you know, halfway through the third quarter, I'm falling asleep. But uh, who do you guys got winning this game? Oh, man. Who do I got winning this game? Eek. Eek. 
Part of me, part of me is going. I'm leaning the. I'm gonna fuck it. I'm leaning the Saints. I, I like the Saints in this matchup. I think. Uh, I, I say what we want about you know famous Jameis eating a W, crab legs and all. Granted, it was a bad game last night on both sides of the football. Everybody was super conservative. Traquan Smith had a bad day at the office doing offensive passing interference, essentially run blocking because he didn't know what the play was. Uh, but. I think if you get Alvin Kamara out in space, because this front seven, even though Chicago ran the ball decently against uh, Tampa Bay last week, you get Alvin Kamara in space, he's going to be a problem. Uh, Michael Thomas might come back, but who knows? And I think there's a lot more underlying issues going on between management and Michael Thomas, as a matter of fact. It's just my Mm -hmm. gut feeling. But this defense with Demario Davis and Cam Jordan is is real, and we saw it. Last year, granted, was with uh, with Drew Brees, but this this seems like a spot where everybody's going to be backing Tampa Bay, and nobody's really going to see the New Orleans Saints just taking care of business at home. And I I, I like the Saints in this spot. They get Kamara's space; it's going to help their cause. Uh, Tampa Bay is a four and a half point favorite. Um, again, I like New Orleans to cover that and win outright. And I think the over under last time I saw it was hovering around fifty and a half. It might be fifty one, but. Um, I kind of like it going over, especially with how bad that secondary is for for Tampa Bay right now. Um, so give me uh, give me New Orleans. Boom! I'm going to echo what you said there. Uh, the spread actually now is five and a half. Ooh. You get five and a half there. So uh, you know, I, I everybody I feel like is going to be backing Tampa Bay in this game, given the shellacking they just put on the the Chicago Bears. The, you know, the Saints are at home. Uh, I like. The Saints to, you know, I, I like them to win outright here. I think this is a, a, a trap game for for uh, Tampa Bay here. Uh, they're getting five and a half. Uh, uh, give me the Saints uh, on that, plus my gut feeling with my boy picking the Saints here too. So I'm I'm uh, I'm on the Saints train with you, uh, Puma. Plus, isn't this on, is this, this is on Halloween, right? Halloween's on a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to be in the five game. Every, everyone's going to be in the Superdome, liquored up as usual, and now they're going to have all those crazy costumes. Hell yeah! Give me the five points. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I've as the resident Brady fan on the podcast, I've got the Bucks winning this game, man, and I think it's probably not going to be close. Um, I think the Bucks are rolling really, really good right now, especially that offense. Um, Brady looks good. I mean, he's leading the league in in offense in uh, in yards uh, yards thrown. He's top one or two in touchdowns, whatever that equates to. But he's looking really good. And quietly, the Bucks defense has come alive as well, um, holding the previous four opponents to an average of about fifteen points. Um, I I think the Bucks the you know the fact that the Saints beat the Bucks twice last year is definitely something that during the regular season is definitely something that Brady has his uh, his eye on. I think they want to win the division and obviously you've got to win these division games. So I've got the Bucks winning. Don't be, you know, surprised if this is a little bit of a blowout as well. Um, wow. But if I had to guess, it might be in the realm of a 31-24 kind of matchup. And, you know, as much as I think Jameis Winston is doing okay for the Saints, but I just don't think he has enough firepower to go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and go score-to-score. So, with that being said, I think the Bucks win this game fairly easily, man. I also want to say real quick, too, the, the Evans-Marshawn-Lattimore rivalry is going to be must-see TV. And we, yep. we, saw, we saw it last night with DK and him and DK baiting Lattimore. Usually it's the other way around. I know Lattimore knows how to get under Mike Evans' skin. So who knows? Maybe there's a punch thrown. One of those two guys gets thrown out. Who knows? But 
it's definitely going to be fun to watch on Sunday. Yep. Um, and then finally, the five and one Dallas Cowboys are taking on the three and three Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Uh, both teams are coming off of a bye, uh, and at the moment, looks like I have no notes for this game. So, boys, take it away. <laughs> you got this, Birch. <laughs> you it. know, uh, Dallas has been a has been a team this year that uh, I. I I don't know if we all agree on this, but they've kind of surprised with how dominant they've been on offense, especially with Dak Prescott coming off that gruesome injury last year. Uh, Dak Prescott is is uh, is firm in the MVP race for for this year, and uh, I really like what what I've seen out of him so far. Obviously, I watched uh, the Dallas Patriots game a few weeks ago, where you know he just he kind of took it over, you know, in the late late stages of that game. Uh, the Vikings have been kind of hit or miss. Uh, I don't care that you know the Cowboys are, are, are two and a half point uh, you know favorites on the road here. I think Dallas is 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 up there in the class of the NFC. So so give me uh, give me the Cowboys here to you know cover and win outright uh, in Minnesota. My boy Parker Sharp Parker agrees with me. He picked the Cowboys on his little uh, on his little yogurt treat run to uh you know make his picks this week so yeah give us the cowboys you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go against the go against the grain here too i'm gonna i'm actually gonna back minnesota here and like you said burge it's a it's a two and a half point uh spread right now leading dallas everybody's gonna be all over the dallas cowboys this uh, this week but you know i just i get it it's prime time we all know about kirk cousins in prime time but this this is a spot where they have to win if they want to even have their hopes, uh, you know, being alive, you know, winning a, a possible wild card. Because, you know, we could say what we want, but like the Atlanta Falcons are out there knocking on the door as a potential wild card team. Like they're going to have to win uh, to to keep pace and, and be ahead in the in the standings. And you know, Kirk Cousins has been spinning the ball really well. You know, Dalvin Cook when he's when he's healthy and available. Grant he's been dinged up, so the bye week really came at a great time for for Dalvin Cook. Um, he he's been a top two, top three running back in the NFL. Justin Jefferson is something special, man, and and even uh, I believe the he's a rookie. Uh, Osborne, the the wide receiver for uh, for Minnesota, really good. He, he's been really really good. And, you know, the defenses for both teams and, you know, granted, the Cowboys have been buoyed by the, you know, Trayvon Diggs interceptions every game. But again, they're still, you know, a 31st ranked pass defense. Dan Quinn has turned it around compared to last year under under uh, the previous defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, which holy crap, that was uh, that was a fun ride for one season. But I, I just love. I, I like I like Minnesota here, and I believe they are the they're at home, right? They're in Minnesota. Yeah, it's that, in Minnesota. Yep. Yeah, I I, I like Minnesota in this spot. It's going to be close. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about it as being part of my best bets in the next segment here, but I, I like Minnesota to win outright and to cover, obviously. Okay. Uh, have you guys seen any latest reports on Dak Prescott and his injury? Because I think of the last I heard was he didn't practice yesterday on Monday. Correct. No, he didn't practice. Uh, they were kind of being wise with with the injury here. Um, I, I'm not sure if he practiced today at all. I think honestly, we're just going to limit him a ton this week. Maybe he'll mm-hmm. get a full practice in Friday. Um, that would be the smart play, in my opinion, um, especially because it gives Jerry Jones something to talk about every day. Um, so yeah, I think they're just going to be smart about it. 
Yeah, man, so I think this is going to be a great game on Sunday Night Football. I'm looking forward to it. Um, at the moment, I'm leaning Cowboys just because that offense is just absolutely insane. And, you know, that defense has come alive as well for the Cowboys. They've got some stud uh, they've got some stud playmakers on that defensive end and on defensive side of the ball. Um, for the Vikings themselves, I haven't watched much of them this year. You know, they 3-3 three and three in the case to kind of middle the pack. I know they took the Cardinals down to the wire week two and they lost on a last-second field goal. Um, I'm looking forward to this matchup, looking forward to the Vikings, seeing what they can do, seeing how Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook are doing this year. So at the moment, I'm leading the Cowboys, but, you know, I'm going to this game kind of a little bit blind, trying to figure out who's uh, who's really for real and who's not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then is that all? Do you guys have any more comments or you guys want to move on to the uh, the best bets with the Puma? I think we're good. I think, I, you I'm know, good. all I got to say is Skull! Skull! <laughs> skull! I should, probably, uh, I should probably check wheel, in with them. Wheel, wheel, wheel. <laughs> here police. comes the fandom police. Oh, God, here comes Karen, the fandom police. Uh, that, that's officially my new name for Burge when he brings up anything that, like, you know, inhibits or tries to, you know, correct our fandom. I'm going to start calling him Karen, the fan, the fan police. I feel like we need yeah, a cop, I only a cop call, car I siren. only call it like I see it, man. I only call it like I see it. Yeah, oh, God. Hashtag <laughs> It's Captain America, but in this podcast, we got Captain Fandom. Yeah, well, we're, all, we're all about freedom on this podcast, all right? You know, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> freedom ain't free. That shit ain't free. Yep. But yeah, uh, that's okay. all I got. Skull, let's go. All right, let's move on to uh, best bets with the Puma. Uh, Puma, who are your best bets this week? Yeah, so again, this segment of the pod is brought to you in part by the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio Podcast, and that is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can do card games. They also have the casino feature, but you know, for, for a sportsbook, uh, sportsbook aspect of things, it's great. It's super user-friendly. You can do same-game parlays. New members, there's a deposit bonus. If you download the app from their website, they'll definitely give you the hookup. The client service and, and you know uh, customer relations team has been great. I brought up a point of in the old app, uh, they had a stat section uh, if you clicked on the individual games. And because I live in Connecticut, it's kind of like a regulation thing they're trying to work out with uh, with the Connecticut Consumer Protection Board, not to bore you out with the legalese. But long story short, they appreciated my feedback. I got a $5 free bet that would have hit the uh, – would have – been part of a parlay that would have hit last week if uh, the Dolphins and Pan- Panthers didn't lay an egg. But this week, the best bets, and real real quick to recap my last week, probably my best betting segment you know, in my betting career here, I went 6-1 and one with this, against the spread and with the Nick Folk player prop, uh, getting a field goal uh, bet at even money that paid out 100 bucks. So that was great. But my best bets this week, we're going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I actually got them as three-point uh, underdogs at home. So I got Minnesota plus three. I think that line's going to go back and forth between two and a half and three throughout the rest of the week. The Detroit Lions, they are playing the hapless Philadelphia Eagles. And if you've looked on Twitter today and Eagles Twitter a lot of the local beat reporters and even some of the guys on the, the Eagle staff that work on the website, they're not pulling punches on criticism of not just like Nick Sirianni, but also the offensive coordinator, the offense as a whole, Jalen Hurts. They are not mincing words right now. And uh, the the Detroit Lions, they're a three-and-a-half-point uh, dog at home. And actually, I'm taking the Lions' money line just because, you know, I think they could win outright. 
and I th I like the uh, the odds for the payout better. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I'm putting them in as uh, one of my best bets uh, against the spread. I got Indianapolis as a one point dog at home. I wish I got it at one and a half. Maybe I would have thrown them in a teaser, but I like uh, Indianapolis getting the point at home. And the New Orleans Saints, I'm leaning towards a best bet, especially now that it's five. I'll probably put that in, but those are my best bets. Minnesota plus three at home on Sunday Night Football. Detroit Lions money line against the hapless Philadelphia Eagles. Indianapolis Colts for, hashtag for the shoe as a one point dog at home and the New Orleans Saints as a five point dog at home as well too so I'm definitely barking with the dogs this week let's go I gotta say I gotta ask you this Puma is it because I was there Sunday that you had your best bets uh your best betting week probably ever I, I gotta ask so I was you know, there present. I was a good luck charm. Come on. I think it was it was a good vibe. You know, I don't know how much of the curtain we want to peel back, but you 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 handled yourself at Spanish Twenty One. It was a fun table you were at. I I'm going to be honest with you, Burge. Jay and I are standing back there watching you play, and I'm having anxiety for you. And it's like uh, this is why I stick with the point spread. So yeah, we were on a good vibe. It was a positive vibe football Absolutely. Sunday. The band was together. So. The, the stars aligned, and let's see if we can keep on this heater right here. Let's go. He's on the heater. The heater. <laughs> uh, I finally uh, fantasy bulls with Burge. Sir, what are your uh, what's your best start sits? Is that what you do? No, it's just gonna be this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of touch on some some trade targets because uh, trade deadlines are, are are coming up here, and I just want to kind of dive into a little bit of what I'm trying to do, and hopefully you guys can you can kind of do the same. Uh, I'm trying to add a quarterback in one of my major leagues. I I have my roster all around, uh, you know, pretty much ready to go. I'm missing the quarterback, so I'm I'm kind of trying to dive in and see if I can make something happen. Uh, I recently made a trade today, actually. I traded Miles Sanders for, for James Conner. Uh, this is in my Dynasty League format. Miles Sanders got hurt on uh, on Sunday, and let's be honest, he's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, out of Philadelphia, they don't seem to be using him in any beneficial way at all. Uh, you know, to, you know he, to the dismay of that coaching staff down there, they seem to have mismanaged how they were going to handle that. Miles Sanders is a great talent. And they they seem to have been botching it. They, they just don't they seem to be involving him in the offense. So moved on from him. I added James Conner to kind of supplement my, uh, you know, you know my guy Chase Edmonds uh, down there in, in in Arizona. You know James Conner's a guy who's seems to be getting a lot of red zone carries. He's he's scored in quite a bit of the uh, the uh, the recent games. I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but he's been a uh, he's been a solid uh, you know red zone target point getter he's been getting his carries uh chase edmonds also has been very solid when he's been healthy in terms of getting his touches as well down there so kind of <coughs> trying to corner that backfield down there um not sure if you guys have any trade questions on that i know trade deadlines are coming up um but this is the time where you know you either decide whether your team's made for it or uh if you're gonna you know kind of punt the season i know redraft it's a little bit different you're probably trying to you know do what you can to shake your team up from a dynasty perspective, you're getting to the point in the season now where if your team's not really in a good position to move forward, it's probably a good time to start selling off expiring pieces. You know, try to you know you know build for the future. So, um, I I've run into a little bit of a predicament this week. You know, I have Devonte Adams on my roster. So, 
on more than one team, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm just kind of scrambling a little bit here to kind of fill in what I'm looking to do uh, in one of my leagues. I'm, you know, replacing my. I'm, I'm blessed to have Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton, Chris Godwin, and DK Metcalf on my roster. So losing Adams is not the worst thing in the world on that team. Um, but my other roster, you know, I also have Pittman. I got to slide him in out of my flex. So I'm struggling to, to, to figure out who I'm going to play my flex because my running backs have been decimated. So uh, we're, we're getting to that point in the season where, you know, these kind of moves are going to make or break your season. Mm-hmm. Dude, my season's already broke, man. I've got to make trades, season. Jay. I'm at one and six right now. It's not looking good. Yeah, you're I'm, out. I'm, I'm eight out of, uh, I'm, no, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm 11 out of 12. <laughs> 11 out of 12. Hey, couple, you're not you in the basement. Run. You go on a run, dude. Redraft, you know, sell, sell out. Uh-oh. Try to try to fix it. Try to fix I could, it. I could go on a heater. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you gotta make some damn trades. Kind of like Chief. I was on Sunday. <laughs> yes. Make some damn trades. Listen, I know this is all your seg- your segment and stuff, Burge, but like, I think the lock of the week has to be Damian Harris against the worst run defense in the NFL, right? Like, no, uh, absolutely. I know. I'm there with you on this, like. They seem to have finally figured out their offensive line combination to make this work, and I want to see it against a real team. Obviously, Chargers worst run defense, but you got to ride him. They they clearly don't have the confidence in uh, you know their, his two backups in Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor because they keep you know alternating them out. You know I think Damian Harris went for over hundred in that game. He seemed like he was averaging like seven seven eight yards a carry in that game too. So. Uh, I, if you have Damon Harris on your team, start him. I was the idiot last week that turned down a trade uh, for Damon Harris involving Miles Sanders, a couple draft picks. So if you have him, play him. Yeah, I probably will, man. I, I think uh, I think you're, you're one and six at this point. Why not? Yeah, you don't have a, you yeah. don't have anything to lose. <laughs> well, I have no other options because like everybody else is on a buy as well. You know, Oof. dude, bye weeks are killer, man. They're killer. Bye, McGinnon. I fucking hate fancy football, man. Every year. And you're still every doing it. Year. It's like dating a German chick. Yeah, because it's like you got to be social. You got to do it. It's part of like, it's part of being a fan. You know what I'm saying? But I fucking hate it so much, man. Well, that's because you got to trade. Jay, you got to trade. Trade for life. I know you're trade anti-trade, but just trade. It's fun. Like, You'll enjoy but nobody, yourself. But nobody Look, wants at Puma. To trade. Look at Puma. Nobody wants to trade. And then, like, I don't want to be you and, like, you know, have this back and forth for, like, three days of trying to break them down to trade. Like, I ain't got time for that shit, you know? I didn't even break them down. He was like, oh, you know, I'm going to stick with Swift. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you change your mind. Just let me know. He's like, well, that's quick. And it's like, okay, well, I'll offer you Pittman or Kyle Pitts or Chase Claypool for – DeAndre Swift straight up, and he said, "Yeah, I'll take Pittman." It's like, okay, I didn't even have to turn this. I'd have to turn the screws that hard. So, stupid. Like, what what was the deal there? That was a really bad trade for that guy. Yeah, like, what was he like? Is he like a newbie or what? uh, He had no wide receivers, so like, he was picking up like bottom of the barrel guys on waivers because we're we're a twelve team league, and we have you know two wide receivers, two running backs, and two flexes. So waivers are a bit thin. And, uh, yeah, there really wasn't anything out there. He just didn't really look ahead to the bye weeks. So, like, he got screwed last week because of bye Mageddon. Um, But, you know, right now he's in a decent spot. And I honestly like Pittman. So I kind of was, like, kicking myself that he went away, especially last week because Antonio Brown was on COVID. And all my wide receivers were on a bye week. So I really missed him at that point. But, uh, Burge, my my question for you is – Dearness Johnson, 
we talked about him last week. We wanted to play mm-hmm. the wait and see approach, and he went nuclear. And you know, it is what it is. Sometimes to the hammer, sometimes to the nail. I overcame that, thank God. Um, what do you, what what are your thoughts on Dearness Johnson this week? It looks like Nick Chubb's going to come back. Maybe it's in a limited capacity. Maybe he'll be on a snap count. Do you think he's a viable, let's say, like a flex option, or God forbid, if you're in a bye week pinch to start him, or, or are you thinking of like maybe Damian Williams for the Chicago Bears? Like, if you're not down with Ernest Johnson, who would you put in his place? Granted, so, I understand it depends on the record. Right, right, right. So, real quick on your point previously here on your trade. I don't care who's trading DeAndre Swift at what time, point in time. That dude could have gotten a lot more than Michael Pittman for DeAndre Swift. I love Michael Pittman, too. I'm very high on him. But, my God, that was a bad trade for that guy. Moving on, DeAndre Johnson with, with Nick Chubb coming back. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about what to expect, especially playing against the Steelers. I mean, you know what kind of defense they have. You know, they, They've kind of underachieved this year uh, in terms of fantasy uh, you know, points. I you know I have them on one of my teams. They've they've kind of been a little bit of a disappointment outside of that first game against uh, Buffalo. But when Nick Chubb comes back, you know, you know Nick Chubb. If he's a hundred percent ready to go, that he's going to be the guy getting all those carries. Um, if you're going to play a guy, if you if you're a desperate need for a flex play, and you know, obviously Kareem Hunt's on IR, so he's not going to be in the mix. You know, Deionis Johnson did prove quite a bit last week when he stepped in. To, to at least warrant some touches going forward. How many? It, it, it's tough to say at this point. But, uh, you know, if you're desperate for a bye week fill-in or, you know, a bye week flex fill-in in in, the, in that sense, I mean, he proved, like, I, I was texting you guys during that game last week. I was like, well, he's shown enough tonight to, to you know, if, if, if he's the guy back there that he could do it. I mean, granted, I think that the, uh, the Broncos have been fraudulent all year. Uh, even when they started out three and zero, they've come way back down to earth. Uh, you know the last four games. Uh, but that being said, he's proved enough to you know to, you know give it a go. Uh, go with him. You know we know what the Steelers are on defense. They have, you know you know T J Watt, Joe Hayden, all those guys back there. But they they've they've been kind of subpar. I don't want to say average. You know, uh, in terms of a defensive unit. So if if you're desperate for a play and Nick Chubb is healthy. I, I, I'd stick him in there. Uh, if Nick Chubb is not healthy and it is the Dearness Johnson show, absolute start. Sick. Sick. Uh, one last question, Burge. Thoughts on, say, LaVisca Chenault against the Seattle Seahawks? Any any interest in firing up firing him up as a flex play? Granted, like, uh, it's it's the Jaguars. I understand that. But yeah. the Seahawks were just god awful yesterday. <laughs> they absolutely were. Um, the The whole thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars is, I've been kind of saying this all year, is that like I don't want to ride my fantasy teams based on on their performance. Outside of maybe James Robinson, he's probably been the only guy that can go out and and put up some some serious numbers on that team. I mean, Marvin Jones seems to be a favorite of of Trevor Lawrence. Down there in in Jacksonville, I I was kind of very low on him at the start of the season, and he kind of proved me wrong. Um, you know that that veteran receiver down there, Lavisca Chenault has has had a share of drops and bad plays uh, for the Jaguars. Uh, you know throughout the years, so a lot of the games that I've seen, I've been just like, wow, he really dropped that. Uh, he, he is a talent. 
it's it's just one of those things, man. It's the Jaguars. You know, Urban Meyer down there. I for me, from a fantasy perspective, I like to fade that team if I can. If I have a better option to play there, I do it. But there is some upside play there with you know with especially with DJ Shark out. They don't really have you know many other options besides him and and Marvin Jones down there, and obviously James Robinson. But uh, if you got a better option, do it. But if if you got to if you're kind of looking for some upside, you, you can't you can't really hate that move. Sick, awesome. Yeah, yeah that's all I got. Dude, so looking I'm... at these some of these stats, man, the Chargers are giving up 163 yards rushing per game. Let's smash go, Damian, Damian Harris. Harris. Let's go. Smash him. Smash him. Let's go. Oh man, I can't wait for that game. It's uh, maybe we'll actually see the actual strengths of the uh, Patriots' offense come out in that game with the running yeah. attack and the offensive line. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I uh. I'm in a weird spot because, like, around week seven or eight, I get a little burnt out of football because I consume so much of it. Because, like, week one, two, three, four, I'm like, ah, I can't, I, I'm so excited football is back, right? And then eventually it's like, all right, man, like, I need a little bit of a break. Um, so I'm going to try to, like, tune out football for the rest of this week. The only game I'm going to try to watch is that Thursday night football and then maybe that uh, Buckeye game on Saturday night. But I, I'm sure. Tuning out the Patriots? Where, Come on now. What kind What's of fan up? are you? Oh no no! Someday I'm gonna watch those games. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I really need like 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 a week away from football. <laughs> dude, we're, we're almost halfway through the season, dude. I can kind of respect it. I mean, I'm I'm just getting involved in fantasy trades right now, and I'm like, dude, I like, it's obsessing. It's like I'm obsessing about it, and I'm like, I need to take a break and and, and actually care about like real life, like yeah. like my kid and my fiance. So like, Parker, oh, change yeah, your yeah, own yeah. diaper, you little bastard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, just minuscule things, right? Like your kid and your wife, right? Exactly. <laughs> minuscule, minuscule. Exactly. Chantel, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Chantel, if you're listening to this, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's right. <laughs> she probably uh, is going to listen to it, so just get ready. Get ready right. for the tweets. Get ready for the R. tweets. R.I.P. my mentions. R.I.P. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's not even anything else if you guys want to plug it up and get out of here. Yeah, let's good. plug it up. Let's plug it up. So this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to hit that little subscribe button on the uh, YouTube videos that the Captain J. Chima puts up, splices it up, goes in the lab, cuts it up, and puts it out there for your listening pleasure. Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Helps us with the exposure to the masses. Social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter Machine, at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain, is at Jay Chima. And our senior contributor, senior analyst, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is on the Twitter machine, at Burge the Goalie. And and real quick, real quick, because I've been lacking. I've been lacking here. I, I oh, got a special go. something. I got a special something for oh, free. The headphones. Let me, let me Any, headphones. Anyone's wearing headphones, you, you, you got to take them off real quick. But Freddie Soliotis? Wow. Yeah. Impressive. R.I.P. Your 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 eardrums. I actually had to mute the uh, the actual like call on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, I can't take this right now. <laughs>
Uh, I, had, uh, I had to hit my boy up. I had to hit Freddy up. I, I've been slacking, so Freddy, yeah, that one, that one Freddy, was for you, good sir. Freddy's the man, the OG, number one. Yeah. I don't know what number he wears in his softball game, but he's number one in our hearts. <laughs> he is number that. one in our hearts. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Via con Later. deal.